No one comes to the Father but through Him. And this is why the gospel is the good news. Death no longer has any power over Jesus. Therefore, it no longer has any power over you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you're believing for anything else from God, you're believing for small stuff. Inspiration for today. Now let's just pray together and I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. So repeat after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to speak to my life, that you administer to my heart. May your word be revealed to me in a way that I understand it, so that I can speak it, so that I can do it, and so I can see it change my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to continue today with um, talking about the message we started with last week, which was the fact that um, when Christians do not take up their responsibility, the world suffers. And I want you just to think about that from a perspective of Romans chapter 12, verse 3. For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt with each one a measure of faith. So, in the message it says, I'm speaking to you out of a deep gratitude for all that God has given me, especially as I have responsibilities in relation to you. And so the grace of God has been given to us, but once we've been given the grace of God, we then have a responsibility to take that which we've been given to others. And what I want you to think about as you're sitting here today is, first of all, in terms of your own life, where do you stand with the Lord? Where do you stand with Jesus? And then secondly, if you've given your heart to Jesus, what are you doing to take that which you've been given and to share it out there? I want you also to realize that when you do nothing with that which you've been given, that at the end of the day, the world suffers. Okay, think about that for a second. The world around you suffers when you do not do that which God has called you to do. We started looking at Queen Esther last week, but first we looked at Vashti. Because if Vashti had answered the call of the king, there would have been no Esther. And there, therefrom comes the warning that if we don't fulfill the calling of God for our lives, that someone else is going to do it. And we will lose out. In Esther chapter 1 verse 12, but Queen Vashti refused to come. This was when the, the king had called her. He, she refused the summons uh, given, delivered by the eunuchs. And the king lost his temper, seizing with anger over her insolence. In other words, she had disrespected him. And the king has called us. She forgot who called her. She forgot who, the reason why she was queen. The king was the reason why she was the queen. And she also was living in her own selfie world where she believed that um, everything's about her. When you live in a world where you think that everything's about you, 
that's a sad place to be. And in Revelation chapter 1, verse 4 to 6, Jesus is talking to the churches and he gives message to seven churches. And the seven churches are churches that in some way, one way or another, had lost their first love, their love of Jesus. And in Revelation chapter 1, starting at verse 4, it says, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace to him who is and who was and who is to come. From the seven spirits who are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from among the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests, to his God and Father, to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So we are called to be kings and priests. We are called to be priests because we are called to intercede between the world around us and God. You are called to be a priest, connecting the lost out there, connecting a broken world out there to God. And you are called to be a king or a queen because you are called to reign on the earth. <clears throat> you do not reign on the earth if you do not answer when the king calls. Discipleship is always related to purpose. Tell the person next to you, say, discipleship is always related to purpose. Now, I want to move on today. So we spoke about Vashti last week who didn't answer the call. And today I want to talk about Esther who did answer the call. And the, the question is, what made Esther queen? What made her the queen? And in terms of the call that God has on your life, what is going to make you the king or the queen over that calling that God has on your life? The first thing we see about Esther is that Esther didn't let her past determine her future. I want all of you to look at me right now and I want to say this again. Esther did not let her past determine her future. I wonder how many of us here are sitting down and we're doing nothing in life because we're allowing our past to determine our future. You're talking about the bad things that have happened to you. But at the end of the day, if all you're going to be focused on is the bad things that have happened to you, you're never going to be able to fulfill that which God wants to give you. Esther didn't let her past affect her future because she was a new creation. And I want you to realize when you give your life to Jesus, you become a brand spanking new person. We are a new creation, made new in Christ Jesus. We are, are, are put in a place whereby the old is taken and it's put off over there and it's destroyed by the blood of Jesus. And we are a brand new creation. We are a brand new person. The old is gone, the new has come. And Esther recognized she was actually an orphan girl who was raised by, by Mordecai, her cousin. And Mordecai discipled her. And now Esther, in the book of Esther, got into a place where she's now living in the palace 
she is now the queen. So God has taken her from being an orphan to being a queen. And if you are going to be focusing on the fact that you were an orphan your whole life, you will never get to the place where God wants to put you and make you a king or a queen in his kingdom. I want you to think about what's going on in your mind. And the biggest thing that's going on in her mind is that she didn't let her past determine her future. She didn't let her past set the course for the future of her life. We see if you read the book of Esther too that Esther was beautiful. So obviously she had an outward beauty because otherwise if she didn't have the outward beauty, the king would never have chosen her. But not only was she beautiful outwardly, because Vasti was also beautiful. She had an inner beauty. And the reason that Esther had an inner beauty was because she was a disciple. She was a disciple of Mordecai. And she never lost her love and her respect for Mordecai. Even at times where in the book of Esther we see that the things that Mordecai was telling her to do were seriously challenging to her. She still never lost her love and her respect for Mordecai. A true disciple is a disciple in the good times, in the bad times. A true disciple is a disciple whether they are receiving praise or rebuke. And God saw Esther's heart, and Esther had the heart of a true disciple, the kind of disciples that Jesus would talk about when he was walking on the earth, the kind of disciple that we look when we see in the gospel and we read that these guys, they followed Jesus, for example, in John chapter 6, when everyone else left Jesus because they felt that, you know what, what he's saying isn't cool. God saw Esther's heart. And in Esther chapter 2 verse 17, we see the king, now this is the earthly king whose queen she had become. The king loved Esther more than all the other women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. So he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. One of the most important moments in any person's life is the moment when the king calls them. And it means when the king calls you that the king loves you. And that his grace is on you. And if you look further on in the Gospels, Simon Peter, a man named Simon Peter, he had his Esther moment when Jesus called him and said, Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell will never prevail against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Jesus called Simon then Jesus just walked away and it was Simon's job to start following Jesus. It wasn't Jesus' job to force Simon to follow him. Simon had to follow Jesus. And, and Simon became Peter and he became a fisher of men. Now Esther, she had to lay hold of the crown. She had to lay hold of the crown that the king wanted to give her. And 
You can't follow Jesus if you don't accept the call. You can't follow Jesus if you're not interested in the crown that he has for you. Because he has a crown for you. And today is your day to say yes to the call of God. I want to tell you that it's not tomorrow or next week. Today is the day to answer the call, to say yes to the call of God. And the people that are used by the enemy today, they are being used by the, with the plans of the enemy. And the enemy's aim is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And every time you answer the call of God, you are putting a span in the works of the enemy. You are destroying the works of the adversary. What arguments do you have in your head that are stopping you from being a span in the devil's works? When Mordecai said, don't tell anyone who you are, she listened. In Esther chapter 4 verse 7 and 8 it says, And Mordecai told him all that had happened, and the sum of money that Haman had promised to pay into the king's treasuries to destroy the Jews, um, he also gave a copy of the written decree to their destruction, which was given at Shushan, that he might show it to Esther and explain to her that he might command her to go to king and make supplication to him before him for her people. What had happened was, Mordecai first told Esther, don't tell people you're a Jew. Then later on there's this guy named Haman, who hated Mordecai, and so he hated Mordecai so much that he wanted to kill all the Jews. Every single Jew in the empire, Haman wanted them dead. And Mordecai was telling Esther, listen, you have an audience and a voice with a king. You need to go before the king and you need to petition him. And he said, for how do you know that you haven't been born for a time such as this. And I want to tell you that the Lord is saying to us, be a time such as this church. Today we have an enemy like Esther had. And today understand that the enemy's aim is to destroy families. And don't just think that because you're in church, that if you remain silent, that you're going to be okay. Because Mordecai warned Esther. He said, you know what, Esther, you're scared to go to the king. You're scared. If you go to the king, the king might kill you. And then he said to her, don't think that you'll be safe because you're there in the palace. Because salvation will come from somewhere else. But you could still be killed. When they want to destroy, we stand up. When the enemy wants to destroy, we can't just sit and do nothing. And the lesson for us is, what did Esther do? The first thing we see is Esther was a woman of prayer. She fasted. And I want to encourage you to make fasting a lifestyle. And I want you to know the blood and know the weapons that we have at our disposal because of the blood of Jesus. And here's the thing. Whenever the church defends life, there is a battle. And I'm going to speak to you about some incredibly challenging stuff right now. But whenever the church defends life, there's going to be a war. But the thing is, we're not afraid of Satan. We're not afraid of his tactics. Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Now the thing about Esther is that Esther got bold on the issue. She got bold on the issue where 
Haman wanted death. And she had courage. If she had remained silent, there was a risk of a great disaster. She had the courage that there was a possibility of a redemption. We have a massive issue in our world today. In the United States, a law just got overturned, which a law that was put into place because of a decision by a court called Roe versus Wade. And it's a, it's a, it's a law about abortion. Now, in, in Colombia, Pastor Cesar Castellanos' daughter, Sarah, she has been taking up this issue because she believes that the Lord has called her to take up this issue. She felt that she needs to maybe run for office, that maybe the Lord was calling her to run for office, specifically because of the issue of abortion. Specifically. Any of you know me know I will never vote for any party that supports abortion, which means most of the parties that are in our parliament, I will never vote for them in a million years. I am a one-issue guy. And so she came and she was asking the Lord, should I run? And when she found out the date of the election, she, she was uh, mulling whether to run for the Senate in Colombia or not. And the law says that in order to be able to run for the, uh, for the Senate, to be elected into the Colombian Senate, you have to be 30 years of age on the day of the election. And when the date of the election came out, the date of the election was set for her 30th birthday. So the whole time she campaigned for the Senate, she was 29, and on the day of her birthday, she turned 30, and she was elected as a senator. Today, she's a senator in Colombia. This happened just earlier this year. And that's a post who campaigned for life. The wording is in Spanish. And I want to tell you this today. Someone like her has to stand up in South Africa on this issue. The average abortion is done for convenience. Because as a nation, and as a church in this nation, silent screams are happening every single day in medical facilities all over this country. And in this past week, there were a whole lot of church services held when 16 people were murdered in a tavern last weekend. And, and that is a terrible situation. I heard of families that lost three people in that, in that one incident. And that's a terrible situation. And now everyone's having church services for them. And I agree with that. I agree with having church services. But I'm telling you now that the chances are on the day when that shooting happened that more children died this way. And there was no service for them. There was no service for them. And some people say, yes, but what kind of a life would that child have? So how would you like it if someone says, what kind of a life will you have? Let's kill you. I want to tell you that the blood of these children is crying out today. And we're saying nothing. Because we live in comfort. And we're not answering the call of our God. We have to stand up. You see, it was also difficult for Esther to stand up. And, and maybe some of us don't want to stand up because we've been involved in abortion. Doesn't matter. 
That Dr. Nathanson himself committed over 70,000 abortions. A few years ago, he went to be with the Lord as a believer. And I know for a fact that God has forgiven him. Because any person who has lusted is guilty of abortion in this country. Because abortion comes as a product of lust. So we're all guilty. Not just the woman who've had an abortion. Now the question is, looking at this, how are we going to fix this? How do we change this? Because you can't just go and start shouting and carrying on and all of this kind of stuff. If we look at Esther, she had a strategy. If you study the story of Esther, when she went in there, she had a strategy. There's a whole big strategy there as to how Haman ended up being killed on the very pole that he'd set up for Mordecai. And it came out of the strategy of Esther. And I want you to realize that God has a strategy for His church to change things like this. And yes, we need to speak out. And yes, we need to vote. And we need to do those things. But at the end of the day, He desires to completely change the nation through the church. God desires to change South Africa through the church. And we need to train our disciples to be bold for the gospel, to be bold about life, to be bold about the issues of Scripture and not to stay silent. It's not just with abortion, but we like to stay silent about sin. And here's the thing, when we stay silent about sin, and whether it's abortion, whether it's stealing, whether it's fraud, whatever, someone we know is lying, we know they're lying, whatever it may be, if we stay silent... That's not, that's not going to help the nation. The enemy is afraid when a Christian knows how to pray and when a Christian knows how to speak. The enemy is afraid when a Christian, maybe who's been involved in an abortion, maybe realizing, gee, what have I done? Like Dr. Nathanson did. And he spent the rest of his life from 1980, around there, or the late 1970s, fighting abortion. He passed away a few years. He's in heaven now. And I want you really to think about that because the Lord has given us a strategy. He's given us a strategy to reach people. And in looking at the strategy, we have to realize that we are part of the most important plan that God has for the world. The church and every single person in the church and every disciple in the church is a part of the most important plan on the face of the planet. And we sometimes talk about the blood of purpose. And what is the blood of purpose based on? I spoke about it last week. It's the nails that went into the feet of Jesus. And the blood flowed. Every person has a purpose from God. Every person. Every person. Is purposed by Almighty God. And, and why have I got such a huge issue with abortion? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. In Jeremiah, we read the verse last week. God says, I knew you before you were even formed in your mother's womb. I knew you. I knew you. You weren't even conceived yet. You didn't exist in the natural yet. But in the spiritual realm, God knew you. So if you've done an abortion, guess what? God knew your child that died before it was even conceived. 
and God can restore anything, everything. And I believe if you repent and you come to the Lord, one day in, in heaven you'll meet that child. And it will be a loving reunion. Because God can take the biggest mess and fix it. But just you, you, God knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. He had a purpose for you. And every person that you come into contact with, God knew them before they were even formed. And he had a plan for them. And so what is the strategy of God? In 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 10 to 12, the salvation was something that even the prophets wanted to know more about when they prophesied about this gracious salvation prepared for you. So the prophets of the Old Testament, guys like King David, wanted to know about the salvation that is available to you. They wondered what time or situation the Spirit of God within them was talking about when He told them in advance of Christ's suffering and His great reward after. They were told that their messages were not for themselves but for you. The message of Jesus was not for them but it's for you. Isaiah in the Bible, Elijah, Elisha, all of these guys, the message wasn't for them but it was for you. And then it says, and now this good news has been announced to you by those who preached in the power of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. It is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. I want to ask you today, can you grasp the magnitude of this passage? Forget about what has happened to you. Can you grasp the magnitude of what this passage is saying. It is huge. Peter is writing to all believers to explain that the prophets and even the angels longed to be a part of the mission that God has entrusted to us and the mission is the Great Commission. Do you realize even the angels are wishing they could have your calling? The archangel Gabriel, the archangel Michael, all the, the, the cherubs and the seraphim and all of the ranks of the angels, they sit in there wishing that they could have your calling on their lives. What a privilege. And remember that God has chosen you to preach the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're part of the redemption plan that God has for all of humanity. For every person on the face of the planet. For every person that's living in your streets. And the correct way to place yourself in the perfect purpose of God and to walk according to it is to apply the blood that was shed from Jesus' feet when they nailed Him to the cross. And always remember that God has chosen you to preach the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are a part of the plan of the redemption of God for all mankind. Romans 10, 15, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. I want you to listen to me today. The Apostle Paul wrote this verse referring to those who preach the gospel. 
If you preach the gospel, you have beautiful feet. And in God's eyes, those who decide to focus their steps on growing the ministry are the ones who have beautiful feet because there is this upward calling of heaven that is the purpose of their lives. It's what they've given their lives to. If you've been thinking that the ministry is not for you, I want to invite you to allow the Holy Spirit to fill your heart and reveal His purpose to you. That's just one issue. The silent scream is just one issue in a myriad of issues. And many people are in need. Many people are broken and they're waiting for you to bring a message of hope. Some people are sick of me saying this. But Matthew 28 verse 18, verse 19 and 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you and lie with you always even to the very end of the age. Our mission is clear. It's to be disciples and to make disciples. And some people think, as Pastor Cesar says, and Pastor Bert says, that going to church is enough. That getting involved in certain activities is enough. Maybe activities like prayer meetings or some social projects or posting verses on social media is sufficient. But if we're going to be true disciples of Jesus, we need to form disciples. When there's nothing good in me You are love, you are love On display for all to see You are light, you are light When the darkness closes in You are hope, you are hope You have covered all my sins I'm letting go. I'm riding to your arms. I'm 
Sing 